Teen Aggie's Dream was something that her mom really started up to where we, we raise money and we award grants to young men and women, you know, really at the start of their cancer journey um, to help offset some of those costs of the fertility preservation. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your fearless host, Angie Scott. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. If this is your first time discovering us, I'm so glad you're here. This is a podcast with a mission to inspire, connect, and empower other women anglers and outdoor adventurers through sharing your amazing stories with others. I hope we've been doing a good job of that so far, and this week's episode is hands down no exception. This week, I'm very honored to welcome a fellow Stealth Rod Holders field team member, Erica Delana, to the show. Erica has been on my radar since I joined the Stealth Field Team, and I'm happy to have the opportunity to feature her on this week's episode. Erica recently hosted a fishing tournament that is near and dear to her heart, supporting her friend Maggie's charity to help raise money for young adults going through cancer treatments so that when they beat this horrible disease, they might still have an opportunity to have children. The organization is called Maggie's Dream, and you'll hear all about it on this episode. We also talk about a new product coming out from Stealth Rod Holders that both of us are super excited about. It's a new drop-in mount for their QR1 and QR2 rod holders that's going to work perfectly for me on my new Key West 230 Bay Reef Bay Boat. These new drop-in mounts will be available on their website very soon, so be sure and stay tuned to StealthRodHolders.com. All right, prepare to be inspired by the one and only multi-dimensional female angler, Erica Delana. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. So full disclosure, as we're recording this episode, it's pretty early in the morning. And Erica, you've got an hour head start on me. So if you hear some <laughs> sipping coffee during this, just know it's a necessity. Um, hey, I, I grabbed, a, grabbed a cup right before we got on. All so. right. Awesome. Well, we were going to do this via video, but I'm currently flooded in on Percy Priest and Wi-Fi is out at the marina. So that makes it a little bit challenge to do video. And that's also why I don't have the Lance, the new Lance Truck Camper Mobile Podcast Studio with me right now. But it's safe and sound indoors because we had a little freeze last night on top of everything else and it's not winter rise. So just crazy spring weather in middle Tennessee. <laughs> but uh, all that said, I'm happy to welcome Erica Delana to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. So we're, I want to kick this off with, we're both associated with Stealth Rod Holders and on the field staff team and along with your husband, Drew. And I thought I would, I would start by asking how you first came across these amazingly innovative rod holders. In my opinion, the best ones on the market and the, the people behind them are, are amazing to boot. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll totally echo that opinion. Um, as soon as we found out about stealth, we immediately switched all of our holders over to them. Um, we boat as well as kayak. So all of the holders on the boat became stealths. Uh, we used the QR2s on the boat for 
freshwater and saltwater fishing. And then on the kayaks, we use the QR ones with their dual point kayak rail mounts. So we're, we're complete converts. And we found out about them about two years ago, um, just through local connections. Uh, Captain Mac or Mac Farr is on Lake Lanier, which is our home lake. And Mac became associated with stealth uh, just through talking with Jason and Carrie, the owners and he, uh, he and I were talking one day and I saw that holder and I was like, Matt, tell me about this. Mm. And he, you know, he went through the spiel on it, uh, showed it to me in action. And, and from there, it was like, I, I got to have these. So that's a it, it's a great product. Yeah. It's one that's been really helpful to us. And, and so the difference between the QR1 and the QR2 is the, the QR2 is for larger reels. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the larger. Um, so we put that on the boat because we do a lot of striper fishing mm-hmm. on Lake Lanier, but then we'll also head down to the coast for snapper and grouper. And the rod size on those, they tend to have like a thicker rod butt, the diameter of them. Mm-hmm. And so the QR2s, the little cam system that's on it is just better suited uh, to really grip those tight and to give you that cam release action with the larger butts. And then the, the QR1 is going to be more of your typical freshwater fishing rods. Uh, you know, your bass rods and reels, mm-hmm. um, I guess catfish rods, depending on how beefy your catfish set up. But uh, the, the QR ones have been perfect for us for the kayak. And they're going to be like your general freshwater fishing, you know, mm-hmm. works for 90 percent of rods if you're freshwater fishing. Cool. And then I don't know, it, they've got a new rod holder that's coming out soon um that i'm really excited about for the since i've switched over to the from a pontoon to a a bay boat but a a really cool system that just fits right in those drop-ins that they have on the the um bay boat so i'm really excited about that yep i've been i've been hounding carrie about those (laughs) because we had a uh you know we we got a new boat this past fall and just really trying to keep it kind of sleek on top. And we really like the removable rod holder concept for that reason. You know, you can pop them in when you're ready to fish, but take them out if you're just out on the boat hanging out or with family and friends. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the uh, the new gunnel drop-in holders that they've got will make that even better. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see those. Well, cool. So so much like myself, it sounds like you're a pretty versatile angler as far as different targeting different species. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota and grew up fishing for walleye and that kind of my passion for fishing is, is just the fight. I just love the fight. Um, and walleye, they put up a pretty good fight. I love the toothy fish, but unfortunately the lake I'm on here in middle Tennessee, Percy Priest does not have walleye. So I kind of had to do some learning and, exploring when I got down here to find out like what's the hardest fighting fish in this lake and I quickly found out that it's the striped bass or the hybrids and I would love to get to a point where I can really target those fish kind of my I took a guide out here a few summers ago now it's been uh it was actually right I think it was July 3rd, so like right in the middle of the summer, but we were trolling for those stripers like deep 
And it's quite a process. Um, you know, you have to catch your, your bait and then you got to keep them alive. And he had downriggers on his boat to get that, that bait <laughs> deep enough. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I can manage all this, but talk a little bit about, um, chasing those striped bass and hybrids. Are there hybrids as well in Lake Lanier? Um, Lanier does not have hybrids, okay. but we've got a lake about an hour, maybe an hour and 15 from us, Lake Alatuna, that's got striped bass, hybrid bass, and white bass. Gotcha. Um, here on Lanier, we've got striped bass, and then we've got some some white bass as well. They're just not as common in numbers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where every every captain you go out with, every just striped bass angler you go out with, they're going to have little things that little modifications for maybe what the guy before the girl before that was doing it and telling you about, um, we're all going to do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. We're, we're fortunate and maybe a little bit spoiled here on Lanier that we've got four really awesome bait shops that actually stock live bait. Oh, nice. So you can just roll up to them in the morning and, and fill your tanks and go hit the water. Uh, but you do have a lot of guys run oxygen on their boats. We don't. Um, we just, our, our bait have lived fine just running, uh, an aerator mm. in the tank, but you got to keep the water really clean and take care of them. They like a little bit of salt in the water. It helps their scales stay on, but we'll fish the live bait that we typically use are blueback herring and shad. Okay. Depending upon the type of year, we might use some trout, but it's, uh, it, it's fun right now is a really, really fun time of year on Lanier because the, the, the larger striper are all running up rivers, mm. you know, they're going to spawn. So now's the time of year you may or may not have a high number bite day, but it's the best time of year to, to stand a chance of hooking into a really big fish. Cool. Very cool. And so do you mostly, mostly troll for them or how do you typically target? Yeah, we're typically trolling. Um, right now is definitely trolling time of year. We'll, we'll put the trolling motor on, I'm going to say 0.7 is like an average speed. Um, and it's really kind of this, we call it, uh, free lining where you, you know, we've got line counter reels and we'll just hook a, get a, a small hook, like a little circle hook and put it through the, the nostril of a herring mm-hmm. basically. And, uh, just let them out behind the boat to where there's either maybe a small pinch weight or maybe no weight at all. And you just got, you know, maybe a hundred, 150 feet of line out behind the boat and you're just kind of pulling it along and we'll run spreads. We don't get crazy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I will, will have, you know, maybe six rods in the water and that's the most we'll mess with just cause once they get tangled, it kind of ruins things for a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, there's guys that, I mean, they'll load up and they'll have 14, 15, 16 rods out, but that's just wow. not our, not our style. We're not that good at not <laughs> tangling them up, but, um, yeah, so we'll just run and, you know, we'll use our electronics to try to find side scan has been huge since side since side imaging came out. Um, but we'll just run and try to figure out roughly where the fish are that time of year and put our spreads out and wait for one to grab on. Um, but then we do typically in the summertime, we'll do what's called downlining. And that's where like, you've got roughly a two ounce weight and you'll, you'll cruise around, you'll find fish on your graph and you can just hit spot lock on that trolling motor or just stop the boat and kind of drift in that area and drop straight down on top of that school of fish that you see with mm-hmm. a two ounce weight and same, same kind of concept. You know, we've got roughly four lines out maybe when we're doing that, maybe five or six, depending. Um, 
but it, it's a blast. And the, the pound for pound fight, I mean, they're, they're so much fun. Oh yeah. They're, they're uh, aggressive, mean fish when you're, when you got one hooked on, which is, which is awesome. How deep are they typically when you're doing the, the downlining? Um, in the summertime, Lanier's a pretty deep lake. Um, it's not at all uncommon in the summer when the water's coolest down at the bottom and they're looking for that relief from, from the hot Georgia sun, you know, maybe 120 feet. I mean, sure. 80, 70 to, to 120, but probably that 80-ish foot is, is made, I would say, kind of a sweet spot. And I'll, full disclosure, I'm not a numbers person. I'm, <laughs> I'm very much guilty of just getting out there and not winging it. I mean, you always have a plan, but I'm, I'm not the best, like, data keeper. Right. <laughs> um, so <laughs> need to get better at that. But, uh, okay. yeah, it's just kind of that, that approximate range. And you can tell, you know, once you're over a school with the graph, you can see where they are in the water column. And so then at that point, the, the name of the game is kind of just dropping it right above them um, mm-hmm. or right amongst them. And so the, the graphs help out a lot. I, I guess it's kind of like the uh, – Google Maps and map, you know, GPS that you've got on your phone where I couldn't tell you how to drive somewhere anymore because I just do what my phone tells me to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got spoiled. Um, do you have the, like out here on Percy Priest, so well, we do have the hybrids as well, but one fun time of year is whenever they just start hitting the surface like crazy and, and we just watch for the birds and, um, yeah. you know, zoom over there as fast as we can and just throw like a spoon or any, really almost anything you can throw and you're going to get fish. And a lot of times <laughs> they're not, they're not going to be huge fish, but it's still a ton of fun. Do you? Yeah, they're a blast. Does that happen out there as well? It does. We we totally chase the birds here as well. Um, watch for the the seagulls to come through. And uh, you know, now's a good time. We're getting into a great topwater time over mm-hmm. here. I mean, the fish are coming up shallow. So we use one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, we'll throw bucktail jigs at them. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Mac that I had mentioned before, he's got a great line of striper fishing products. Um, so we'll, we'll throw some of his jigs at him. He's got a little mini Mac, a rig kind of set up that if you, if you've got a grouping of them, I mean, that's a, a great tool to throw out there. And, uh, but we'll also use like just a, a bone spook. I mean, that's hands down. My favorite topwater lure mm. is just a good old Zara spook, mm-hmm. um, in that bone color and, and kind of do the walk the dog pattern across with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's, there's, to me, there's nothing like that topwater bite. It's hands down my favorite fishing, mm. whether it's, some type of bass fishing, whether we're floating the rivers on just a hot summer day for brim or whatever we can get to bite on the kayaks. Like I'm throwing something top water and I want, I want to see the splashing. Yeah. The, there's nothing like, I, I'll never forget the first time I caught my first bass top water. That thing I was, <laughs> I'd gone out one afternoon and I had, gosh, oh, it was a popper, top water popper. And I was like, I am going to catch a fish on this. And a- afternoon's not really the time typically to, to catch fish uh, a bass topwater, but I was just bound and determined. And so <laughs> I was out there for a couple hours probably just casting that thing and working it back to the boat. And I'll never forget that bass came up out of nowhere and attacked that thing. And I was like, yes. And I was like, this <laughs> Okay, I finally get bass fishing now. <laughs> yep, that's where I, I 
I just, I struggle with the patience to do the real slow, you know, rubber worms and some of the drop shots and, and things like that where you just got to be super patient and almost mm-hmm. painfully slow. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that. Like I want to be zipping something across the water or high up in the water column or watching it move across top water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are, but with that, I mean, I'm, I'll bass fish all day long for that, that, that anticipation and just it, you know, just waiting for it to come up and hit it. Um, there's, there's nothing like it. Oh yeah. See, I'm, I, I love that, but I'm also very much a finesse angler. I love to just slow work a, a Senko <laughs> back to the boat. So I've got to work on it. I've got it as a personal goal where I need to, I need to just go out, go out and make myself do it there and make go. myself get good at it. I just, I, you can't see it, so I'm always up in my head. Like, am I doing this right? Why isn't anything biting? <laughs> uh, have you fished that instant gratification? <laughs> have you fished the Ned rig much? I have not. Um, okay. That's one that I've, I've started working on, and I've, I've had some success with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just I'm I'm a, I'm a very visual mm-hmm. uh, visual learner, visual person. Like, if I can't see something, I I struggle to you know, I guess really learn it or, or feel confident in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's, you know, like with anything, you just got to practice and get good at it. And I've, I've just got to make myself practice and get good at it and build that confidence. Yep. There you go. Well, and I wanted to touch too, cause you, you guys get out there and do some saltwater fishing and mm-hmm. that's something that I've really taken to in the last couple of years, um, getting to go down to Florida and stuff like that. So, uh, how often do you get get out there and uh, get out in the salt water? We uh, we joke the last for sure this past year we saltwater fish more than we freshwater fish, mm. um, and we live on the lake. Um, but <laughs> we but we in a normal year, I mean, I would say we're down there six or seven times a oh. year, whether it be for a couple long weekends. Um, we've usually got two full week periods that we'll go and then piecing together some, some four day weekends at the open end of snapper season or grouper. And, um, you know, just trying to get down there as much as we can. Cause it's a, it's a little mini break from, from work and kind of the daily life too. So mm-hmm. and we, we love it, but, uh, yeah, we, any chance we can and just trying to hone in those skills and just get better at catching different things down there too. And where do you typically like to go? Um, we go anywhere from, we typically stay in the panhandle, um, along the Alabama, Florida coast. So we'll go over to Fort Morgan, Alabama, which is kind of the Gulf Shores area, Mm -hmm. but it's on a little peninsula that sticks out in the Mobile Bay. We'll fish a lot out of Fort Morgan, um, with the oil rigs. And then they've got a great, um, you know, artificial reef program, more or less, where there's a lot of wrecks and bridges and pilings and just fantastic snapper habitats out there. You won't find as many grouper because they don't have the same rocky bottom that Florida has. Mm. But the snapper fishing out there is awesome. And then they've got the shipping channel there where you'll get these massive cargo ships that anchor up, I'm going to say maybe 18, 20 miles offshore, waiting to get into port. And the cobia love hanging out around those big ships after they've been anchored up for a few days. Mm. So that's that's kind of our Fort Morgan thing is for snapper, cobia. Um, you can get some nice amberjacks and stuff out there as well. And then we'll go usually far east is about Carabelle, Florida. Okay. Right there getting yep. into the bend. Um, but probably Fort Morgan, Port St. Joe, and Carabelle have been the places that we've gone most often the past two years. Very cool. I love that area, the, the Apalachicola area and um, St. George yeah. Island and all that. 
So yeah, it's beautiful. So very cool. Well, we kind of, we didn't get into this, but how did you first get into fishing to begin with? (laughs) Uh, Only, only child and daughter of an outdoorsman. (laughs) Um, So my dad growing up, you know, very big into hunting. Fishing wasn't so much something that he did consistently, but he enjoyed it. Um, So he and I would just go hit up some banks and local farm ponds um, and fish and so that's where I, I started doing it at a young age. And he, he tells me this story and I've got a picture of it actually that I might find and see if I can share with you. Yeah. But one of the first fish that I caught, um, I think I was, I was probably four, maybe five. And I reeled in this big, I think it was either a catfish or a carp. I think it was a catfish. Um, but I, I wanted to keep it. I was just hell bent on keeping this fish and we typically would catch and release or maybe he'd keep some stuff, <laughs> but he, uh, I took it home, but I didn't want him to fillet it. Like this was my fish. And so after about two days, I think of it hanging out on the porch because I would <laughs> not let him get rid of it. He finally, the story he told me was that a, a, a dog came up and ran off with it. <laughs> I've got this picture of I'm like some little blonde haired, scraggly looking kid holding up this fish that was from about to the floor to my chest at the time. And uh, so that was one of my early fishing pictures. But um, yeah, so got into it with my dad and just doing the bank bank fishing. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I met my husband, Drew, and he was really into fishing. Um, and at that point, you know, most of my experience had been from a bank and just hanging out with friends. But he had gotten into striper fishing and grew up um, bass fishing. You know, he and his father had a bass boat. So that kind of became our date thing. You know, we would we would just do that on the weekends. And, and that became really that's like all we do. We're either working on something house related or we're out fishing. Nice. Um, so that that's that's really been our kind of couple couples thing in yeah. common interest. Very cool. Well, what do you think you love most about it? About fishing, just fishing in yeah. general? I think it's just the challenge. I'm, I'm really competitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I grew up playing sports and then just with the fishing it's like that that competitive drive I don't do the tournament so I'm not really competitive in that sense um but just one off like personal competition like I want to find I want to find a fish I want to catch a fish on a lure that somebody's going to tell me this isn't the time of year to catch it on that or (laughs) you're not going to do that here I'm like oh yeah watch me um but then just you know trying to find that new personal best and just the you know, it really is that kind of even playing field for people, you know, do do a little bit of work on what you're doing, figure out the area, learning their habits and their patterns and just going out there and trying to find them. And and I would say probably the favorite, you know, one of the single favorite things is just it's it's getting away. You're not on your phone. If you're out fishing, the the electronics are, are more or less put to the side for that period of time. So you can really just disconnect from it. And even if it's not a great fishing day, and I know this is really cliche, um, but it's, it's a good day out on the water. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, you're, you're seeing things and experiencing things that, you know, others, others would love to be doing in that moment. Yeah. Um, so just taking, taking a step back and taking it all in. And do you have a preference over kayak fishing or fishing from a boat? <laughs> Uh, they, they both have their place. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, with the boat, it, it's of course fantastic to just be able to hop on and, and very quickly get to wherever you want to go. It could be miles away on the water um, and it's reachable by the boat. But with the kayak, it, it's just, I got into kayak fishing about six years ago, pretty heavily. 
And it's just such a different experience. I mean, you're, you're close to the water. You're right there with the fish and the action that's going on. Um, you've got to make these subtle changes in how you net a fish, how you, how you cast. Um, and, and you're just, you can creep up on nature a lot, a lot better in a kayak. I mean, we'll go out and there's deer on the bank 30 yards from you. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kayak fishing definitely has a special place in my heart. Um, you know, since we've gotten into it and just the kayaking community is amazing, but so is the boating community. You know, they're just, they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely, I, I don't foresee picking one over the other anytime soon. <laughs> gotcha. Well, uh, what, and you mentioned personal best, what's your personal best, uh, striper? I actually called it, I call it my birthday fish. Um, it was about two years ago and it was the day after my birthday and it was, about a mile up river from where we live. And it was a, I don't have the pounds on it, but it was a 38 and three quarter inches striper, Mm. which is a citation fish for Georgia. Nice. Um, So it was, it was long and skinny. It didn't have the belly on it, Uh, but it was, that's my PB striper. And then uh, Drew caught his PB last March, Um, the same general area. And his, I know his was over 30 pounds on a boga grip, Nice. but it was, yeah. So, my, mine was longer though. <laughs> there you go. Well, I want to touch on you just, you are involved in a uh, annual tournament called Maggie's Dream Striper Tournament. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just recently, uh, happened. I guess you, you weren't able to do it in 2020. And so, <laughs> and so this year it was like a, a record breaking event. It, uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Team Maggie's Dream is an organization that, you know, is really near and dear to me. I grew up with with Maggie. Um, she and I played ball together growing up, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 24. And just through going through learning about treatment and the impacts that it can have on your body and your fertility, um, as a woman, you know, going through all of that, she we found that or her, she and her mom rather found that fertility preservation is something that oftentimes isn't discussed with young adults getting ready to start their cancer process or cancer treatments. And, but it's extremely costly. Um, it's, it's about $7,000 probably on average, but if you don't do it, the chance, the chances of you having a child after cancer, um, at least biologically, it goes down tremendously. Mm. So an insurance doesn't cover those procedures. So, Team Maggie's dream started up through Maggie's own journey and she's great. She's, she's cancer free and she actually has a five-year-old little girl now, oh. five-year-old little girl now named Laylee. But, um, Team Maggie's dream was something that her mom really started up to where we, we raise money and we award grants to young men and women, you know, really at the start of their cancer journey, um, to help offset some of those costs of the fertility preservation. And we've been really, really fortunate here. I started up the the tournament, uh, I guess, six years ago now um, as a fundraising effort for us. I was the the board chair for the organization and just looking for ways to bring in money. And our local striper fishing community here on Lake Lanier really got behind us. And so we've had a great turnout from year one. But this past year, we called it the or the one that we just wrapped up last weekend. We called it the fifth slash sixth annual Team Maggie's Dream <laughs> Striper Tournament because, you know, we just we couldn't do it with COVID, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, we had 64 boats wow. that entered the tournament 
um, which is big for a striper tournament mm. around here. I mean, we don't, we just don't bring the guys at the, the crowds that the bass tournaments do. Typically it's a, a different audience mm-hmm. that that's fishing, but we had 64 boats, which was beat our last uh, fourth annual that we actually got to have um, by 12 boats. We had 52 in that one. Um, and then we, we actually, after all was said and done expense wise, we raised about $11,000. Nice. And so between these events combined, we've brought in about 50,000, um, 14 Maggie that have all gone straight back into to funding these grants. We're a volunteer organization. So any money that comes in goes right back out into applicants. And since we started doing that in 2016, we've been able to award 175 grants. Wow. And we do it. We're based out of Georgia, but they are nationwide. So we've helped people from California, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey. Uh, so it's really cool to see the impact and, and helping people kind of keep that hope alive of, you know, I, I will and I can beat this cancer and there's hope for a future and a family for me after. So it's been a really, um, you know, kind of uplifting thing to be a part of, but also just being there for people that are going through a really tough time mm-hmm. um, and and making you grateful for for what you have, but also grateful for the ability to help and make a difference for them. Yeah. And we definitely couldn't do that without our local fishing community and shops that have contributed to that event. That's great. I was, you know, when I was researching, preparing for our conversation today and reading about the tournament, that's just a, an issue that I never really thought of before. So, um, mm-hmm. You know, it is seems like something that's not really talked about as much as it should be. Yeah, it was it was new to me, too. Uh, (laughs) Whenever, you know, Maggie going through her stuff, I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, we're the same age. And, you know, you tend to think of cancer affecting, you know, maybe your your aunts and your uncles or older parents. Like you, it's just I think most people don't really associate it as much with young adults. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know. I've, I've got a handful of friends that have gone through it and it's just, it's like, wait, we're, you know, this isn't supposed to be happening to us. We're young. Um, but it, it's just, you know, it's life. And, you know, we, we see, we hear a lot about children's cancers and there's a lot of support for that. Um, but then as, as you get into that, you know, kind of reproductive stage where you're looking to start a family, um, you know, the, the impact. So like with, with, um, children they're not really at a reproductive stage yet so the the impacts of their ability to conceive afterwards you know there's i'm not some heavy on they call it onco fertility onco fertility is kind of the the practice that specializes in that and so i'm not as familiar with it on the the children's side but particularly with the you know teens and young adults of you know in that reproductive period Mm -hmm. um you know, the impacts of it are huge. And it, it really isn't something that even doctors have started pushing and making patients aware of until probably the last 10 years or so. And we've seen a big uptick in that. We're actually one of, I know for, for a while, we were the only 501c3 that was doing this, mm-hmm. that was pursuing the fertility grants across the country. And now there may be, you know, maybe there's two or three, mm-hmm. but it, it's just, it's, it's this growing area where people are seeing the need for it. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the results here from the tournament. So how does that work? So that it's two fish that people can, um, mm-hmm. and, and do they, do you guys do it like a, a, I'm not familiar, I guess, with striper tournaments. Um, is there like a weigh in, like a bass tournament or how does that work? 
similar, but very different. So with striper fishing, you, you're dealing with larger fish, so they're not going to fit in your live well, mm-hmm. generally. Um, so we do catch photo release tournaments. Okay, cool. So we're, we try to be very conservation minded in that. And basically all of the boats will have, a, we use check it sticks are probably the most common brand that gets used, but these big metal measuring boards. And so you just, you, the day of the tournament or the event, the, the organizer will send out a tournament identifier that will usually, which is, is common in like kayak fast tournaments too, where you've got a number that has to be present in all pictures to mm-hmm. confirm that that picture was, or that fish was caught on that day. But they'll just lay the fish out on the board and take a whole fish picture with the length and kind of showing us that it, it's legit with that identifier in there. And then for the weigh-in piece, the captains or the anglers will just bring in pictures um, on their cell phone and show their two longest fish is okay. the format that we do is we do a two fish, uh, two fish tournament. So the winners are determined by, by total length of those fish. Gotcha. But once the fish gets caught, they get measured and, and typically they're going right back in the water. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I, I love to hear that. Cause I know these, these big fish get, you know, pretty stressed and, and whatnot. So, so that's good. Yeah. And it takes them a long time to get big. So yeah. we want to put them back so they can keep growing. <laughs> well, cool. Um, Do you have anything uh, coming up that you want to talk about? Oh, goodness. Um, Nothing, nothing big. We're just looking forward to, uh, to being able to get out on the water. We, We've timed a uh, possibly a life change uh, right in the midst of primetime fishing season and that we're, we're putting our house on the market mm. and possibly going to be building. Okay. So that, that's got a big question mark as to our plans for the next couple of months. But we'll absolutely be heading down, um, taking advantage of some opening seasons in Florida and Alabama and no big events though, really. I'm looking forward to ICAST this year. Mm, um, yeah. Interested to see see what that's going to be like, and and excited to get back down there. Hopefully in July. Yeah, I'm, my plans are still up in the air for ICAST, but if I can make it down there, I would love to be there. So hopefully I can. I mean, it's a pretty quick. I've got all these airline miles built up now. <laughs> hey, you can throw some my way. Yeah. We'll, we'll go find some to fish together. Sure. Yeah. No. Well, last time I was down there, um, takemefishing.org, I was supposed to go out and fish the Disney lakes. They had a drawing and I won. And then uh, they called me and they said, hey, this little girl, her, she won and her parents need to come with her. Would you mind giving up your spot? And I was like, oh, man, I was so looking forward to that. But okay. And so they said, Angie, you're out. Yeah. So they said, next time you come down, we'll hook you up. So uh, that would be awesome to be able to do that. But for sure, we'll see. But, and I definitely want to get to Lake Lanier and get with you and Captain Mac and do some fishing out there. And so we need to figure out when a good time for that would be. But that'd be awesome. Hey, any the fish are here year round, so awesome. uh, just come on down. I'll, I'll get you in a kayak too while you're here. <laughs> well, and I have very little experience kayak fishing. I got to take a Hobie uh-huh. out on. Uh, well, I was out of La Jolla in California and went out and did some halibut fishing from a kayak oh, in the wow. ocean, which was cool. It was crazy. Um, I'm just. I, not quite coordinated enough to <laughs> to do we'll, uh, that, we'll do some slower pace yeah get you up in the, the north end for some we'll do some bass fishing there you nothing go. too crazy very cool 
All right. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation, and thank you so much. Uh, please send that picture if you can find it. I would love to share that with the listeners, and I will share uh, your socials and, and all of that on the uh, show notes for this episode. And uh, just thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know we're all we're all crazy busy, and uh, it's early, but uh, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on and uh, letting me chat. All right. Thanks, everyone, once again for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. If it was your first time, I hope you come back and maybe go back and check out some of the previous episodes. We've had some really great ones. Uh, This has been so much fun, and I plan to keep this going for as long as I possibly can because I just love it. Um, And don't forget about the Women's World of Fishing Monday Night Lives that I'm doing with Barbara Harris every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Those stream out live on my personal Facebook page, Barbara's personal Facebook, and now the Woman Angler and Adventure page and group and our YouTube channels. So pretty much anywhere you go, you're going to be able to access these uh, Monday Night Live shows. And it's been so much fun thus far. We're working on making it more interactive for everybody but uh, it's it's a blast. So hope you're checking those out. There's always the replays on our socials and YouTube channels as well. So lots going on. Lots of exciting things happening in 2021. Can't wait to see where it goes as always. Thank you so much for listening and for your support and leaving ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast platform. It all makes a big difference, and I will see you right back here next week.